part of where Tony and I start, and we're, we're working with a business owner now who, who has a very successful business and is looking to take it to the next level. And one of the first questions is, um, and, and it's a cascading process, starting with him, what are you doing that doesn't have to be done at all? What are you doing hmm. that other others can do? And he said, you know, I'm going through 150 or 200 emails a day when I log, not a day even, when I log on in the morning. And a vast majority of them could be handled by a different staff member because they're internal communications about things that are happening. And so just taking that off of his plate has suddenly freed up some of his time. So what's being done that doesn't have to be done at all? And then what's being done that only you can do? And how do you pass on the rest of that work? The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability explicit or implied shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Welcome back, everyone, to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization Show, the home of Googleization Nation, where we talk with HR and business thought leaders about the crazy shift going on in the world of business, technology, and HR. Here's your host, Ira Wolf, and co-host, Joyce Joya. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Geeks, Geezers, and Googleization show. As you can see, my partner, Ira Wolf, is not yet here. He's having some technical difficulties, which in the age of COVID, I know we all can relate to. Uh, I want to welcome you to the show today and let you know that we're going to have some fantastic guests. We have... Uh, First, in, in our first segment, Tony Carnesi and Brian Gorman, who are going to be talking about the four-day work week. And in our second segment, we have Kim Betty, who's going to talk about the intersection of diversity and emotional intelligence. That should be a very lively conversation. In fact, both of them should be. And I've learned so much in preparing for this show, especially when I had conversations with Tony and Brian. Because a long time ago, we used to talk about the four-day work week. And when we did, it was like this very long off thing that was going to come like in the next millennium. Well, guess what? The future is here today. And Tony and Brian are here today to talk with us among other things about the four-day work week. Welcome, Tony and Brian. Thank you, Joyce. Thank you, great to be here, Joyce. Great to have you here. I'm sure that Brian, that Ira is on his way. Um, so my first question for you is, you, you talk about the four-day work week, but I understand that there are several like ways to implement the four-day work week. So it's not just four days, nine to five, but there's it, like Monday through Thursday or something like that. But there are different ways to implement it. Can you share with us, please, a little bit about that? Well, we, we don't want to get into the execution yet, Joyce. Let's first 
talk about how we define the four-day work week. Oh, good. Let's and, do that first. And, and we begin, uh, both Tony and I came together because our belief is that business owners didn't go into business to run businesses. They went into business to live into a, a vision, to achieve a purpose in their lives that the business is there to help serve. And all too often, what then happens is instead of the business working for them, they end up working for their business. And so for us, the four-day work week is a, a framework for turning that around, for putting the business back to work for the business owner and its employees. And yeah, and to find my sound. And, <laughs> and what that means, you found it. <laughs> and, and, and what that means for us, Joyce, is that someday for some people, the four day work week means no longer working seven days a week. Maybe it means working six or five for others. <laughs> it, it may mean literally working four days instead of five or three days, but it's, it, it's about achieving that balance between the work part of your life and the rest of your life. That is what really serves you best. So it's about everybody achieving that balance and having a better sense of, of personal and business life. Yes? Is that what you're talking about? No, that, that makes sense. Yes, that's a good way to put it, Joyce. So uh, I understand that there are different ways to implement it. And you have research from other countries as well. Is that true? Oh, it, you know, it is... It's all over the world now. It really is. You know, a couple summers ago, Microsoft Japan experimented with it, had great success in increasing worker productivity. It was written at an increase of 40%. Um, their, their overhead costs went down 23%. Finland is well behind it. The, the number one country, I think, is New Zealand. There's a financial services firm that is at the forefront of that called Perpetual Guardian. And now Unilever is trying it. And the um, prime minister is encouraging it. Big groundswell in England from a number of organizations and Spain just recently, publicly in the public sector, they want to go to a four day work week and they are offering subsidization to private companies that try to do it as well. And I like to use the word oh, try. Going into, a, <laughs> going into a four day work week is a trial. Mm. It is a trial. As in trial and error? There will always be errors, and you and if you really want it, you'll work your hardest to make it happen. And okay. That's what it's about. Welcome, Ira. We're so Hello, glad Ira. to see you, my hey. friend. Welcoming to my own party, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, my uh, computer, my uh, webcam decided to have uh, Zoom fatigue. <laughs> I could, it wouldn't connect. So, so That's why I, it's got to work only four days a week. Might, might have worn it out. So, thank, thank you, Joyce, for starting the show. And, and good to see you, Tony and Brian. Appreciate it. I'll, I'll let you. you continue so I don't interrupt the flow. <laughs> oh, okay. So how do uh, – so I, well, wait a minute. Let's go back to my other – the second half of my other question, which is that there are different iterations of it. There are – three and two or different hours or whatever. So share with us a little bit about that. The, the shape that the four day work week takes in, in the model that we're bringing to the market is the shape that best fits this organization. It, it's unique 
to the company. So first of all, not everybody, not every organization can achieve this. You know, if, if you've got a uh, little family store that runs 24 seven and, and it's just staffed by the family, um, you may not be able to do the four day work week. But, but the answer is what works for your business, what works for your employees, what works for you as the business owner. Um, Joyce, when you and I were talking in, in preparation for this, uh, one of the things that Tony and I talk about is that um, very often employers look to achieve what they are there to achieve with no clue as to what is driving their employees. We assume if we pay them, they'll do the work. If right. you can just step back and ask your employees, why do you come to work in the morning? Hmm. What feeds your soul? What makes your heart sing? And if you can bring that into alignment with what you're trying to achieve in business, and even asking that question of prospective employees and, and bring your employees' passions into alignment with your passion and what you're trying to achieve in business, um, already you have increased your productivity significantly and reduced your turnover even more. Yeah, there's a, a question that I love to ask, which is what's most important to you in? What's most important to you in working with us? And sadly, it wasn't original. I stole it from, or I borrowed it from Tony Robbins. But it's, uh, it, it, I think it's a very, very valuable question. And it helps us to find out where people are coming from, right? If I may, you know, my favorite radio station is WIIFM. What's, <laughs> right. what's, what's in it for me? And a number of the organizations that have brought the four-day work week into their realm, into their existence, is because employees were burnt out and they wanted something else. And in one trial in particular, a company in Germany, he said, you know, everybody is stressed out during COVID. We're working longer hours. Our products became more in demand. Everybody take off Friday half the day. The response was so amazing. He said his productivity rose so significantly. That's when he made the decision to decide, and this is a, uh, upwards of a thousand employees in a company. This is a multinational company. And he decided to go for the four day work week because people were so much more productive. And Tony, did he go for four or did he go for four and a half? He started at four and a half. And that's why it's a trial. He said, and, and that's where we, you know, we really encourage people, you know, if you're going for the four day, don't be scared by the number because there are so many business owners who are going to have resistance to saying, oh, we can't be working four days a week. It's a trial. And he tried a half a day off. And he says, wow, he was so overwhelmed. They were so overwhelmed. Management was so overwhelmed by the by the returns that they were got off that half a day. They went for it. Tony, it's interesting, uh, or both of you, it's, it's interesting you bring up uh, the company in Germany. Because last week we had uh, Thomas Hogue, Thomas Michael Hogue on. And uh, he, he's, had a lot, he's worked with a lot of German companies. And his comment was that a four week, a four day work week was not the solution to employee burnout and, and you know, employee problems. And 
And he based it on, so he, he took the German companies and some of those German studies and looked at it differently. So the question is, uh, obviously there's, there, there, not obviously, but there could be a reason to have a four-day work week. But if companies are doing, if that's the only thing they're doing to eliminate burnout and well-being, then is that enough? That's one question. And the second is, where does this fit into a remote day work week? Because minutes before we went on, I mean, this before my computer decided to reboot, um, there was just thing about how many people are leaving, um, was it Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs, that there's this exodus of people leaving. And in a company like that, I'm not sure, you know, I mean, many of them were working remote, which means we're working seven day work weeks. <laughs> so so let, let me jump in and, and Tony join me on this. Uh, first of all, only changing the work schedule. Um, it can do something. It's not going to do everything. So there's there's a whole lot more there in, in how we work with clients. Uh, to boost productivity, um, to eliminate unnecessary activity, uh, to really raise employee morale and satisfaction. Um, Tony, do you want to jump in on that? I, I listened to that broadcast with Tom, Tom Hogue, and what struck out at me was he was going into the steps that need to be taken besides the four-day work week. And I will guarantee you those steps that he started to talk about, which he didn't get into in too in-depth, are exactly what you do to bring about the four-day work week. It's about finding out what people's passions are. It's getting rid of the inefficiencies. It's picking, you know, and, and I, I'm sure if we were to dig in with Tom, a lot of the things that what we want to bring into the four-day week, work week to create is what he was leaning towards. And again, it's not right for everyone. But after the conversation, um, I got because I, I was contacted by his, his uh, press uh, PR company. That's how, it's how I got connected. They changed the message and it wasn't about the four day week, work week. It was about well-being. <laughs> there you go. So and, for me. And, and well-being is really at the heart of how you address the, the work life, work Alex. from home kind of thing that you raised, Ira do a lot of coaching with people who are working from home. Their work pattern has, has changed. And sometimes it's just something as simple as, I had, had one client who discovered if he put his suit on before he went into his home office, he could separate work and life a lot better. Or you know, someone who used to listen to podcasts on their way to work, and now they get up from the breakfast table and walk into the home office. Mm -hmm. Instead, now they get up from the breakfast table and go listen to the podcast. Even small things you can do to create that psychological boundary, if you will, between work and home. Yeah. The response was it a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, it all blurs together. Uh, they, you know, Citigroup announced that they were, uh, you know, that, that Fridays, that they were going to have this disconnect, no Zoom calls on Fridays. And everybody applauded that is what a great move and other companies follow it. And then they got slammed because <laughs> it didn't mean they couldn't, that they could step away from work. It just it means just they didn't have to go to Zoom calls. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, what, what comes to mind for me is the phrase, people support what they help to create. And if we can find out 
what really turns people on, what really feeds them, what really gives them passion, and make that a part of how we trans. We froze. Choice <laughs> froze. So I, I think, yeah, I think Joyce, we, you, you froze a little bit, but I think uh, we'll finish your sentence for you. Uh, I think it was about how do you transform the organization? How do how you know what what does that look like? How do you get the people engaged, the the employees engaged in helping create that transformation, rather than delivering the transformation? And here's what we're going to do for you. So Tony and I are yin yin and yang. Um, we're very different in a lot of, lot of ways. My background is in organizational change management. And um, what you're talking about, Joyce, what you're talking about, Ira, is, is absolutely uh, correct. The more you can engage your employees in defining, if not where you're going, how you're going to get there, the less disruptive the change, the more in involved they are, the more ownership they feel. Um, and the more successful you're going to be. And keep in mind, um, there's nothing worse than the employees want to hear is management coming in with a promise that they're going to fail to deliver on. Mm -hmm. And the key is for management to delegate that down and say, we're thinking about a four-day work week. What do you guys think of that? Do you want it? Because you have to have buy-in. And if once you have buy-in, then you're going to have your champions, your leaders, the folks who really want to implement it, they're a part of this. They are a tremendous part of the implementation. And as you're doing that, one of the important things to, to understand is that organizations are structured top down. They don't work that way. Um, those who, who are in the profession of organizational network analysis, understanding how organizations actually function, um, who the influencers are, Data tells us that uh, consistently, it's about 3% of your employees who influence 90% of your workforce. And so, um, you know, one of the things we wanna do when we're working with you is who are those key influencers? Because either they're gonna be with you or they're gonna be against you. So let's figure out who they are and get them with you early on. How do you figure out who they are, Brian? Uh, there, there are a number of different ways. Uh, you know, there are technology uh, approaches to doing that, and that that will actually plot um, the the power relationships in the organizations. Um, just talking to people. Hmm. If if management is in tune with their employees, which you would expect from a company that wants to bring about the four day work week. I can guarantee you they know who we should be should be getting into our back pocket to make this happen. Yeah. You know, so let me be the the devil's advocate because I'm good at that. Uh, <laughs> so, Bring it on, baby. Uh, so the four day work week in the past. I mean, if you brought up a four day work week, I think people would, uh, you know, jump to that idea um, because they already were at work. So if I'm already I'm already coming in early, I'm staying late. I'm already putting my ten hour days in instead of my five four hour days. Uh, and I wouldn't have to commute. And I get a long weekend in the remote work world. And then especially in the hybrid world is that we're going to have a four day work week. And somebody says, but I can't really be there 10 hours a day or I can't be online 10 hours a day on Thursdays because that's I have to take my kids to school. I have caregiving. I've got other opportunities. So the whole idea of, of even a four day work week, four 10 hour days um, you know, whether it's Tuesday through Friday or Monday through 
um, Thursday or you take the middle of the week off, you break it up, whatever that is, is now not going to work for a lot of people. It also doesn't have those benefits of, oh, I can, I, I'm at work. I might as well just spend two hours longer. And then I get Friday off. If right? I may. Go for it, Tony. If I may. If I may we're, not, we're not talking about compressing a 40-hour work week into four days. It's not about compression of hours. It's four eight-hour days. It's four normal days. Compressing the hours into a, into a small amount of time, what does that really accomplish? Not a whole lot. And as you can see from your example alone, it creates havoc. It's about having a normal life four days of the week and having a personal life three days of the week. Whether and it is, go ahead, Brian. I think I'm, I was gonna finish your sentence, Tony. <laughs> um, and for some people, it may be working from nine to one and from five to eight or, uh, you know, it, it really is about molding that solution that works for the organization, that works for the employees, and that works for your customers. Yeah, I once did some consulting for a state government, and the, the top person and the second person told me that what made a difference for them and why they stayed for 17 years was flexibility, flex space, flex place, and they never would have stayed had they not had that. And that's that's part of what you're talking about, I think. That's yeah. an element of it. Joyce, when, when you and I were talking, you told me about an auto dealership that you visited um, whose turnover rate was phenomenally low compared to the rest of the industry. Yeah. And what you discovered is they had set a work schedule where employees got 17 four-day weekends a year. Yep. So... Again, there's no one size fits all. It, it really is about how does it serve the employees? How does it serve the employer? How does it serve the customers? Yeah, it's a fascinating subject. So, Brian, you often talk about Greg McEwen and essentialism. How do we optimize the work environment so that we're only doing what, what has to be done? So... In, in his book, Essentialism, The Disciplines of Pursuit of Less, um, and, and on his podcast, Greg talks a lot about this. Um, in essence, he says, you know, we have been enculturated to, to say yes. Hmm. And we say yes, and we say yes, and we say yes, and we can't fully deliver on any of the yeses because we're overcommitted. Part of where Tony and I start, and we're, we're working with a business owner now who, who has a very successful business and is looking to take it to the next level. And one of the first questions is, um, and, and it's a cascading process, starting with him, what are you doing that doesn't have to be done at all? What are you doing hmm. that other, others can do? And he said, you know, I'm going through 150 or 200 emails a day. When I log, not a day even, when I log on in the morning and a vast majority of them could be handled by a different staff member because they're internal communications about things that are happening. And so just taking that off of his plate has suddenly freed up some of his time. So what's being done that doesn't have to be done at all? And then what's being done that only you can do? And how do you pass on the rest of that work? And then just to Last. add, if I may, Joyce, oh, okay, sure. just, can I just do real quick, 
How sure. many studies do you see, how many studies do you see that say employees are unproductive 20% of the time, 30% of the time, close to 40% of the time? What if you knocked off a day out of the week but made them more productive the other four days? What difference would it make? Uh, uh, probably a huge difference, right? So I understand that you guys are launching a four-day workweek program. Would you tell us about the program and when it will be available? Brian, you want to take that or you want me to take it? Go for it. We are going to introduce it uh, beginning of May, first week of May. We're going to introduce it over time. What is it? Okay. Why should you as a business owner, why should you as an organization, why should your organization bring it about? When should you do it? Like where COVID is a really important time. And lastly, how do you do it? So we're going to, over that period of time, we're going to take increments of introducing different parts of that. But we want to introduce the what and the why, because if you're not sure what it is, and if you're not sure if it's right for you, you're not going to listen. So we want to really bring that about and then ask people. And during COVID, there's no better time than now. No better time. As, as you're looking to how do I move beyond this era of, of isolation, quarantine, COVID lockdown and, and recreate my business of the future. It's a perfect time. I happen to believe that that's very true. Go ahead, Ira. I'm sorry. You know, I, I can't keep, I, you know, I keep thinking about the four day work week and, it, and it's almost deceptive in, in what you're trying to accomplish. And, you know, I, I think about, I talk about a lot about, and Joyce does as well, reimagining your future. And it's always reimagining the work week. And we talk about that. You know, what what does that look like coming back? Because it's certainly not going to be a five day, eight to five, you know, <laughs> work in most most businesses. Um, and people, it's going to be tough to, to tell people, no, you know, we don't have sick days. You have to be here. Or even if you are sick, I mean, I think that the whole dynamics used to be it was a badge of honor to come to work when you were sick. Now you're going to get checked at the door and told to go home or everybody else is going to go home because you're sick and they don't want to be around you uh, business, you know, and, which is a good thing. I mean, we shouldn't have allowed that in the past, even if it was only the flu uh, or a common cold. That wasn't the smartest thing to, to allow people to do to come to work sick. This so, is absolutely about reimagining your future. And that's where we start. Great. So how do people get a hold of you guys? Well, we are at our podcast is called It's Doobie Time. And just for everybody to know, when times do get tough in business, it's Doobie Time. And we're also at www.do-beassociates.com. That's where you can find out more about the four-day work week, as well as sign up on our podcasts. It's Doobie Time. Or you can email us. I am Brian. I am the B, the executive coach, half of the team. And my email is Brian at do-beassociates.com. And Tony? Tony at doobieassociates.com. I'm the do side of the equation. Well, thank you both, Mr. Do and Mr. B, for yeah. being here. Thank you. <laughs> it's been just terrific having you. Thank you. Great thank to you. See you guys. Yeah, it's great to see you guys. Uh, amazing. Uh, and a great topic, uh, certainly, whatever we call it. Uh, we're, I think the four of us are aligned that uh, companies need to, to rethink, reimagine, um, you know, and, and 
uh, the four-day work week certainly a starting point. So appreciate you guys being here. Uh, stay safe and uh, hope uh, hope the year goes very well for you and uh, and your clients. Thank you. You too. Thank you. It was a great yeah. great time. Thanks. Yep. Thank you. Enjoyed this. And thank you, Joyce, for uh, stepping in there. I know I was watching <laughs> uh, uh, what was the show the other night. I guess it, it might have been Rachel Maddow. Uh, which we, it was Rachel Maddow. Yeah, um, but I know uh, yeah, few, we actually. I, I I usually don't watch her whole show. Maybe the beginning, but I watch uh, Brian Williams at night. And I know he had, they had a problem a, a few weeks ago. So now, now we know yeah. what it feels like. But yeah, I, I don't know if it was Zoom fatigue because I was on a couple calls this morning. Uh, and I think it's switching different platforms. But my uh, webcam got stuck uh, in there. So, oh. <laughs> so in, in one of the programs, it just wouldn't release it from that program without shutting the whole computer down. Um, but uh, appreciate the opportunity to be there. Um, a couple things I don't think you probably announced, uh, but uh, next, you know, a few weeks ago, we had that uh, adaptability summit. And uh, from that, uh, from people, they wanted to know what's next. Uh, we scheduled one for next Tuesday, April 13th uh, there. And we're going to be everybody who participated either in that last one, not everybody, but if they wanted to participate in the last one or uh, they wanted to take the AQAI, the assessment, find out a little bit more about how, how they compare to other people. Uh, so we have a uh, webinar coming up next Tuesday. There's still some open slots. It's going to be a small group um, because we want to be able to do one-on-one, -on -one, but uh, everybody who participates will complete the assessment. And then we're going to, we're going to debrief it. We're going to go through it, have a conversation, answer questions. Uh, so you can go to um, it's bit.ly forward slash. There it is. Uh, AQ 41321. It's 41321. Uh, is the date. Uh, and uh, so you can go up online and uh, register for that. Hope to see you there. Uh, and again, uh, we want to thank everybody for being part of Googleization Nation and for being listeners to the Geek Skeezers and Googleization Show. I appreciate you being here. And uh, if you sign up for Googleization Nation, you'll get my weekly update. Uh, we talk about what was on this show, what was on last week's show, uh, and other events that are coming up. And we're looking at uh, different ways to grow. So if you have a suggestion, if you'd like to see something included, uh, please, please let us know, and we'll be happy to do that. And of course, uh, Joyce, I saw you're uh, right before uh, the air. We got uh, uh, hum the uh, Herman Trend Alert came out. Yes, we talked about uh, adapt uh, adolescent uh, sleep deprivation. Sleep deprivation. Yeah, that's <laughs> always been a problem, but uh, even even worse today. Uh, post pandemic, so we've always talked about kids not getting enough sleep and going to school tired. Um, but it's now now they're on the same schedule as we are. It's Thursday. <laughs> uh, we've got a great guest coming up, uh, so I hope you stay tuned. Uh, we got Kim Kim Betty. Uh, we're going to be talking about diversity intelligence and, or emotional intelligence, the convergence of emotional intelligence and diversity. So really excited about doing that. Uh, thanks again for listening to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. And thank you for our sponsors in GOMU and Success Performance Solutions. You're going to hear from them right now, and we'll be back in about two minutes. Imagine growing great employees and advancing emerging leaders for less than a dollar a day. The Ngomu app will support your employees in a myriad of ways, from career and personal development to health and wellness. No need to schedule and hold trainings. Just have them access over 90 coaches for live virtual group and one-on-one -on -one coaching for whatever topic they need or want to work on. Anytime, anywhere. Learn more at Ngomu.com today. For many people, the bridge to the new normal is too far, too difficult, too scary. Waiting to get back to normal becomes a way of life. 
filled with fear and despair. But wait, why are those people who dare to travel to the new normal celebrating? Opportunity and growth? How can you get a piece of the action? The bridge between the past and the future, the status quo and the new normal is adaptability. You have a choice. Which side of the future do you want to land on? Will it be coping and surviving or growing and thriving? Adaptability Quotient is the new competitive edge. Hey everyone, welcome back to Geek Skeezers and Googleization. Uh, and thank you for being part of Googleization Nation. Uh, we had a, a great interview. If you missed it, hopefully uh, you'll roll, roll, roll the video back a little bit uh, and listen to. Uh, uh, Tony Carnesi and Brian Gorman, uh, we were talking about the four-day work week, and it's not what you think. It's not necessarily just going back to a four, four, four ten-hour days. Uh, it takes a lot more thought than that. Uh, but now we're going to talk about another uh, topic we've been following for, well, we've been, we've been discussing, and, and we've had uh, some deep conversation. This should be interesting uh, with Kim Betty, uh, who uh, is a coach. Uh, she's part of the NGOMO uh, network community now which is also very exciting. So we appreciate Ngomo, and that's how we made the connection. Thank you, Joyce, for introducing her. Uh, we'll be talking um, about emotional intelligence, uh, which is a favorite subject uh, after uh, adaptability quotient for me, uh, but emotional <laughs> intelligence, uh, which is a, an important part of that, uh, and diversity. Uh, and uh, Kim talks about the, the convergence of, of those two and how they relate. So um, we'll welcome Kim Betty to the show. There she is. Hi, Kim. Hi, Kim. <laughs> You're on mute, Kim. There, there we, we are. are. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I must confess, I'm, I'm a Zoomologist, so StreamYard is new for me. So I have to figure <laughs> out the unmute and the lights and all that. So thank you for having me. Yeah, our, our, our pleasure. Uh, so. Kim, I'm, I'm fascinated um, because we've talked about AQ being part of diversity, uh, the adaptability quotient. Obviously, in order to have AQ, you have to have EQ. And, and I think people are more familiar with emotional intelligence or emotional quotient uh, than that. But the but I, I love the the aspect of what you're bringing. And I think I'm uh, hopefully I'm framing it right uh, about diversity intelligence uh, is, is really the convergence of those two and how they relate, because I'm not sure people get it. They sort of say, well, diversity is an HR thing. EQ or emotional intelligence is a personal thing, personal development, career development. Um, what's one have to do with the other? Yeah, I love that. And thanks again, Joyce, for inviting me. And so wonderful to officially meet you, Ira. I've seen you on your show um, and to your entire community. And thanks for that. I love even looking at it from the adaptability quotient because it really is all connected. And I didn't think of that. When you really look at the adaptability of something that we're familiar with like emotional intelligence and how you have to have a certain amount of flexibility to really integrate in this big topic that's blowing up in our faces called um, really diversity inclusion, mm -hmm. you know, and we have to adapt. And so the way that I, that I see it is through the lens of emotional intelligence, which has already been um, proven to be effective. It's a soft skills. Look, it's HR professionals. We spend our whole life attempting to prove to the business professionals that soft skills matters. 
that um and so emotional intelligence we've already done that work so i looked at it and i really thought about it and i said what's the best way to really show leaders the value of diversity inclusion right because diversity intelligence is really saying i value diversity in the workplace we know that you can't have the value of diversity unless you have inclusion. You can bring a variety of people with diversity of thought. And if you don't include them, pull them to the table, get them to speak up, um, talk about what they think, talk about what they feel, why they do, then there is no value. So we really have to be do this in an intelligent way. It doesn't mean, Ira Joyce, that I'm super intelligent. Now I know everything about diversity, right? right? It means that I come into it with this curiosity. So long story short, which we have 30 minutes to talk about it, but long story short, what I my aha moment was diversity intelligence is the new emotional intelligence. So let's create some competencies just like we did with emotional intelligence so that we can measure them and so that we can have leaders learn them and we can integrate that into the workplace. Yay. So, so what are, what are some of those, what are some of those competencies? What, yeah. you know, I'm sure you've, you've, you've either identified those or are giving a lot of thought to that. I've been in the lab, you know, like Steve Jobs. I've been in my garage thinking about that. Um, and let's back up a little bit. And um, I can't wait to find out what you talk about the AQ, you know, and the competencies related to that. When you think about um, emotional intelligence, we're talking about really, look, I'm gonna use this word. Um, I'm gonna share from my diversity, from Ice Cube's um, rap song, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. Okay. <laughs> I literally teach people this, right? I have them going, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself. I'm like, yes, you know, Coach KB says that. And it's really about before you have a conversation with someone, um, engage someone, you have to check yourself first. And if you think about any training on communication, it's really about framing yourself. So when you look at emotional intelligence, you have self-awareness, and you also have self-management mm -hmm. and then you have social awareness aware of other people and their hot buttons and then relationship management aka check yourself before you wreck yourself right now when you look at diversity intelligence valuing diversity and really in inclusion we have to look at it from the perspective of the diversity dimensions so you know i am uh black um, I actually recently, Joyce knows this, the reason why this all came to be is I discovered, Ira, my great-great-grandfather's slave narrative, hmm. okay? Um, recently, we had all this going on in our family, we didn't know. I knew he lived to be 104, I knew he was formerly enslaved. I didn't know that when he was 89 years old, he did wrote his slave narrative about his experience. So it's opened my eyes so much. And in doing so, it sparked this diversity intelligence. So I'm a black woman who in the workplace, I'm gonna get deep for a second. I can do this in the context of diversity. If I don't have that flexibility that the last uh, um, uh, guests were talking about like four days a week and integrate that, I will literally feel enslaved. Hmm. It's in my DNA and I didn't even know what was going on. And so I realized that all the things that are going on in the news today, if it's racially charged, I get triggered. Okay, so I'm a black woman that has in my 
um, transgenetical look at it, the whole thing of this type of situation going on. And so I'm a black, I'm, I'm black, I'm a woman, I'm divorced. I um, have a learning disability that we didn't know about. It's not like, it's not dyslexia, but it's related to numbers. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I get confused with the directions and all that. Um, you know, I could go on. I'm a woman of a certain age, Joyce. I just say over 40. I'm going to say that forever. <laughs> I don't know what decade I get at. So all that to say, self-awareness now for me with diversity intelligence is my diversity dimensions and my culture and my history. So there has to be this um, vulnerability and risk of me aware and in touch with it. It has to be transparency, another competency, Ira, and being able to share that. And then I have to be able to have empathy for others and their situation. I don't know everything, but I can feel and walk in your shoes and then um, a reciprocal, a reciprocity type of relationship. So I say, long story, once again, that the vulnerability is the new self-awareness. Transparency is the new self-management. Empathy is the social awareness and reciprocity is relationship management. Yeah. I, I don't know if you if you watch New Amsterdam, um, mm. but if watch my it, favorite if, if, show, watch <laughs> last night's watch last night's show if you haven't seen it, um, because, uh, you know, th there's this awareness. It's like you mean that physician, even you, the top surgeon gets because you're black, gets paid 35 percent less than the white surgeons. But they're standing in the hallway and he's talking to, to um, you know, a, a, one of the employees of what can I do? What can I do? What can, and he looks behind him and there's all these pictures of white, like all the white trustees and the founders. He said, take those down. Mm. And that was like the next conversation of taking it down. Um, but they they literally had these conversations that you're talking about right now. Um, a powerful show. Uh, and again, even if you don't like the act, I mean, the messaging was one of the better displays of, of, of well, the, the, the one piece of advice that they gave the, the, the lead uh, in this was, she said, what can I do? What can I do? And he, she said, shut up. Stop <laughs> talking. Listen. Observe. Wow. And it's like, well, how do is it just stop? Stop talking yeah incredibly powerful show it yeah. never fails by the way at some point during that show to make me feel like i want to cry mm -hmm. sometimes it's joy sometimes it's it's empathy it's someone else's pain but boy that show is so well written uh, whoever writes that show deserves a, it out. an award and let's get back to diversity and the workplace yeah uh, you talk about courageous conversations and the yeah. fact that business leaders have to have courageous conversations, Kim. Yeah. Uh, how do we get business leaders to encourage that? And, and how do we help them feel comfortable in having those conversations? You know, because I said all that with all the passion, but the truth of the matter is you can sit people around the table and if it's not a safe space, they're not going to open up. They're not going to talk about their great great grandfather's slave narrative and how they feel traumatized and like you're enslaving me. You're not going to do that. Right. You're going to button up your jacket and um, play the role. And um, today, many shows, many places 
um, I was watching one of my favorite shows is A Million Little Things. And they were just talking about one of the Asian young kids was on a Zoom. And because of COVID, um, his friends, his co his school workers, excuse me, um, colleagues were saying to the little boy, you need to put a mask on because you'll get us all infected with COVID. And the mother overheard it and she said, you can't infect, you're not going to infect them any more than anybody else. And you, you aren't on Zoom. And then she told her husband, who's actually white, that they were doing that to him because he's Asian. Mm. And so it's so important that we create the safe space so that we can have it. And here's really the drum roll moment for me, Ira. The workplace is the best place for us to do this. Let's see if I can say this in a politically correct way. I'm not even going to try to be politically correct. It's the only place where you have people trapped up in a building and you can say, we're going to do professional development. And so you have diversity and inclusion programs and a semi-engaged audience. At least they feel like they have to do it. And if you can engage them in why they need to do it, and if you can raise their diversity intelligence, emotional intelligence related to diversity, it can go higher. It's a higher purpose is what I say. Outside of the four walls of the business, it will ooze into the conversations parents have with kids or the you know, person in your neighborhood or in your community or perhaps even the country. So I believe you have to do it. So the first thing I think is that you think about it from a higher perspective and a lower perspective that, you know, we need to do this for our country. Some people are, you know, appeals that appeals to them. And then why do we do it? Because diversity is not going to impact the bottom line if we don't do it and create this safe space. And so we have to create a safe space and it really starts with leadership. Look, this is a really good example, Joyce. In Goma, we talked about that, right? Al and us, we were having a conversation. Al, I, have your, I hope I have your permission to share. I'm going to share this a little bit, right? For those who don't know who Al is, we had him on as a guest. Al is one of the founders of Ngomu. Go ahead, Kim. So let's look at it from a business perspective. All the coaches, we were having a conversation about diversity and Black History Month was coming up. Here's the safe space, Ira. And so... Al and the rest of a few other people innocently said, I don't know if you were right there or not, Joyce, instead of doing Black History Month, let's do People of Color Month. Such an innocent, beautiful thing. And I said, oh, no, that's not how it works. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tad different. And, I'm, you know, I am a person of color. We're talking about Black history in a sense like my great-great-grandfather. And I want we want to talk about it from that perspective. Al said, oh, my gosh, we need this. is why we need a safe space because I need to say, Kim, I didn't know. And I'm like, I know. And I don't know everything. I'm not representing every Black person, but I don't think that's going to work. So what we did was put a blog together where we celebrate a lot of different ethnicities, all of them, and we do it each month. So we have to have that kind of courageous conversation and that kind of space where you can go, I don't know. I have a question. Let's talk about it. Let's experiment with it like that. Kim, thank you so much for being our guest. Uh, we understand that I can, we can access a video of you now on the ngomu.com website. So I'm looking forward to looking at that. And uh, how are, what are you doing in Ngomu? Tell us about that quickly. Yes, absolutely. What's fascinating about what I'm doing with Ngomu is typically we would be working inside of a company, which is we must do, create those courageous conversations where we can talk about diversity. We at Ongomo, though, we're going to impact individuals 
on several different types of companies, right? And so we can have that same type of engaging dialogue with people from different companies. And I'm gonna be doing the same thing, facilitating a learning community, creating the safe space, raising our diversity intelligence and having that kind of conversation. So once again, it then goes to their companies, to their communities, to our country. Excellent. Kim, thank you so much for being with us today. You were just wonderful. (laughs) I can't wait to see how you and I might work together in the future. Thank you so much, you guys. Back to you, Ira. Yeah. I I said last week, you know, I, I think I coined the, the, that segment or maybe both segments that uh, we're just getting started. Uh, and uh, again, so true. We'll definitely need to have uh, Kim back um, because, again, we were just scratching the surface and uh, maybe we can do a panel. Maybe a few people we've had. Great idea. Our, our, I love our, that our, idea. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely do that. The, the all stars from uh, the Geek Skeezers and Googleization show. So here we are again. Uh, we're, we're just a few uh, for a minute or so from the end of the show. Uh, we really appreciate everybody being here for being listeners. Uh, whether you're listening live, uh, we're, we're live every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Eastern time on YouTube, Facebook, uh, W4CY.com, uh, Talk4 Radio or Talk4 TV. Uh, so, again, you can watch us live uh, and uh, hopefully you continue to do that or you can catch the replays on almost every podcast that's available there and also up on YouTube. Uh, reminder, uh, next uh, Tuesday, April 13th, uh, doing the webinar, uh, you can go to bit.ly forward slash AQ41321. It's, there it is. Uh, thank you, Roxy. I appreciate that. And next week, uh, we hope you'll come back. Uh, we've got a, another great conversation. Um, the um, I just went blank on his name from uh, uh, from Clicksuasion. Oh, uh, Mike Barbera. Mike Barbera. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, it's going to be terrific. Uh, we're going to have a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe our second one, we're going to have Mike Spramoli back. I uh, need to confirm that uh, and talking about some tech tips uh, for, and uh, he's going through an ex- interesting experience and some things he's learned. So again, thank you very much for listening to and watching uh, Geek Excuses and Googleization. Until next week, don't let the shift hit your plans. Bye. Thank you.